left my stuff all over the place this morning. <laughs> Let the record show. Is this thing on? <laughs> um, we did forget to pray to, for someone this, this morning. Uh, maybe we'll just quickly do that. Rain every day, sun every day. So this week we are finishing our series on the Psalms. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time I teach on the Psalms, there's usually three weeks, and it usually follows exactly the same structure. Because I, I, it's a great structure, and I, and I love the way the Psalms speak to our life. And we've seen that, that the Psalms can describe life on cloud nine, when everything is perfect, when everything is good, when there is not a worry in the world, where we're, we're not even thinking about, oh, I've been through bad times. We're just thinking, this is heaven on earth. It's not, and so we don't usually stay in that place. And we, we saw last week that there is also such a thing as life in the pit. And that's a place where God is with us, and, and last week... David reminded us uh, in those times to look to what God has done and to remember Him. In fact, there are psalms, there are so many psalms that, that, that have the phrase, Why is my soul so downcast within me? That is life in the pit. And so the psalms speak when everything is good and they speak when life is a mess. The mountaintops and the valleys. And the good news of, of course, is that the Psalms also speak not just to the mountaintops and to the valleys, but to the fact that the valleys don't go on for eternity. That there is a, a, a surprising gift of God as, as life is, is reorientated and something new comes through. From the valleys, we seem to go to higher heights of knowing God's love. The Psalms, I, I don't think, and, and, and I think life itself doesn't attest to this, that we, we don't go back to where we were. You don't start on the mountaintop, go through a valley, and go back to the same mountaintop. Once you've been through the valley, life is never the same again. It's new. It's grace. Psalm 103 um, is uh, not a, a psalm that is immediately following necessarily one of these valley experiences in life. But it is, I think, David looking back at a life full of mountaintops and valleys. And as he looks back in his life, he realizes and remembers how God has been with him through all of those seasons. This is David realizing what Corrie ten Boom realized when she said that there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And it begins, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With, all, with my whole heart I will praise his holy name. There is another translation. Uh, Wayne, could we put on the image at the top of 
Psalm 103 verse 2. I think it's the third image in the list there. This is the English Standard Version. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. The New Living Translation here translates it, Praise the Lord. The English Standard Version says, Bless the Lord. O my soul. We, we sing that so often, don't we? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it's, a nice, it's nice, comfortable words, but you ever stop and think what we're actually saying? It's turning to myself saying, Nicholas, praise God. Stop, says David. Bless the Lord. Some Psalms speak to God. Some Psalms speak to other people. Uh, This one is David speaking to himself doesn't stay there, he ends up speaking to the whole of creation, but, but it's about reminding himself of God's blessings so that, so that he will, so that he'll stay grateful for all that God has done. Um, the writer Roy Clements says, he does this lest in a moment of depression or black, backsliding he should forget the source of his prosperity and take God's grace for granted. And so David begins speaking to himself and says, Praise God, my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, I don't know about you, but but if you are spontaneously praising God, you don't stop and go, wait. Bless the Lord, O my soul. If you are spontaneously praising God, you're just blessing God. You're praising Him. This is a point where David is, is, is not spontaneously praising God. Ooh, how dare he? This great singer of psalms, this great friend of God is not at a point where he is spontaneously praising God's name. There might be super Christians who spontaneously praise God all the time. You'll probably find them in heaven. Perhaps David is not in a place when he wrote the psalm where praise comes naturally. Perhaps he is heading out of a valley moment. And he's looking back on all the valleys and mountains. Perhaps he's been out of the valley for a while and he's growing complacent. Isn't it true that when life gets easy, we forget to praise God and bless his name? And so David uses his mind and his memory uh, to evoke his emotions. And there's plenty of fuel for the fire. This is David remembering that no matter what, God is with us. This is David's version of Romans 8. If God is with us, who can be against us? Angels, demons, powers, authorities. No, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is David's version of that. He says here, fuel to the fire to bless God, to inspire myself, to praise God, to remember all that he does. I will remember the benefits of knowing God. 
or as it says in the New Living Translation, may I never forget the good things He does for me. Here I like the ESV again. Don't forget His benefits. And we sit here going, ooh, benefits. That is, that's, no, we, it's not about benefits. If somebody tells you it's not about the benefits of knowing God, call them out on it. Drivel. I love God because God loves me and has done amazing things for me. And David, looking back, sees how God, over the course of his life, has overcome so many valleys of disorientation where life is turned upside down. The benefits of God we see in verse 18 and 11 are for those who fear God, for those who are faithful to Him, for those who obey Him. Have a look at verse 14. It says here, God knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. God knows that, that, that we are, are fallen people, that from dust to, we came and to dust we will return. And so when we sin, when we do things that make God angry, he, well, he doesn't get angry quickly and, and he doesn't stay angry long. Instead, says David, he forgives all our sins. Not the bad ones, not the particularly little ones, all of our sins, said David. I mean, life only has values because of sin. Ooh, is Nicholas saying that bad things happen to me because I've done bad things in my life? Fran's sitting there going, oh, I, I see where he's going, shaking my head. You know, there are people out there who say bad things happen to you because you have sinned. Another word for this is karma, and it's not Christian. You know what? I am still going to say that bad things happen because of sin. Sometimes bad things happen because of my sin. Sometimes it's because of other people's sin. Sometimes it's because of the brokenness that sin has introduced into this world. I was watching Doctor Who last week. For my sins, I will admit. <laughs> and he had a wonderful illustration of, I don't know, universes being broken between. But he had a pane of glass there and he put a hole in a pane of glass. And you think it's just one event. But you know what happens when you put a hole in glass? It starts cracking. And it splinters and it starts breaking and what was perfectly clear gets into a mess. The valleys in life are only here because our world has been broken by sin. And sometimes mine. You know, isn't it wonderful to know that when I sin, God forgives me even more? I think it was Martin Luther who said, sin boldly. Sin boldly. He's not saying go out and sin as much as you want. He's saying sin boldly, but trust in God's forgiveness and grace even more boldly. That's the Nicholas version of his quote. 
And have a look at verse 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. It's a great picture because east, if you keep going east, you never reach the west. But Roy Clements, again, I've I've mentioned him before, he's got this wonderful notion that when God forgives us, he puts our sin and us on different horizons. So he puts us on the east and he puts our sins on the west. And when he looks at our sins, he's no longer looking at us. And when he looks at us, he's no longer looking at our sins. Isn't that incredible? As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. And, and God doesn't forgive us because of how good I am, but because of who he, he is. Compassionate, verse 8. Merciful, slow to get angry, with unfailing love. Like a father, verse 13, to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. But rewind a little bit. Who's this for? Verse 11, his unfailing love towards those who fear him. Verse 18, his salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. You know, I love the fact that the first benefit that David mentions is forgiveness. Because the rest of the psalm says that these benefits are only for those who obey God and fear him and do what he says. And yet the first benefit is God saying, yeah, you're not good at it. You don't obey me as you should. You don't fear me as you should. You know what the first benefit is? I forgive you. And I love that because this is about grace. The very first benefit that David looks back at his life, he says, you know what? I've done some horrible things and thank you for sharing, Lynn. David looked back and he says, you know what? The number one benefit that I have seen in my life is that moment that you experienced where he said, it's gone. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions the Lord does not count against him. Happy is that person. There is another benefit, and that benefit is healing. Psalm 103, verse 3, um, he forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. Now, I'm sorry, I don't think we can read from that that if you get sick, you will automatically be healed. I say as Les gives a big cough. No guarantees. But you know, God can use even sickness for good. And there are times when God does heal us. You know, being forgiven by God means that one day we will be with God where there is no illness, where there is no disease. There's another benefit, verse 5 there, and that's being redeemed from death. 
Now David looks back on his life and he sees, right, I should have died there, 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 and I didn't. As my wife will attest, there are times when I've been driving my car and I should have died. And I didn't. Is that what David is talking about? All those near misses? Well, yeah, I think so. But I think he's talking about more than that as well. He's talking about being saved from death. He redeems me from death. You see, if we are forgiven, if we are set right with God, we will not just be with him, we will not just live without sickness and disease, but we will also live with God forever. Fourth benefit, satisfaction with good things. Life in the valleys, in the pits, leaves you feeling empty, leaves you feeling incredibly flat. It leaves you without any oomph. And yet God says David, looking back on his life, God is the one who lifts us out of those valleys, who walks us through those valleys, who lifts us up, who who refreshes us and renews us so that we can soar like eagles. God is the one who gives us the strength we need to move forward. You see, having been forgiven, we will not only live with God in perfect health and and, and forever, but we will enjoy ourselves with Him forever. David knows, verse 6, that the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. History, experience for David taught him that God is God for the downtrodden. And that God doesn't just set things right, but God sets people right. You know, the benefits of knowing God are written large in human history and hopefully you have got benefits written down in your lives as well. That you look back and say, this is why I put my trust in God. Do you know the most definite proving of the benefits of God are of course in Jesus who came to undo all the valleys of life. I mean, Jesus said in Luke 4 that he came to forgive sins, that he came to set the prisoners free. And that includes those held hostage by sickness. The reason Jesus came was to die the death we deserved to save us from it so that we could be with him forever. He walked the darkest valley to take us from all of our valleys onto the plateau of an eternity with God. And that plateau makes all the mountains of our life look like foothills. And if you've ever been in a place with mountains, foothills in Western Australia look like foothills. It's that kind of thing. We might go to a higher mountain and say, wow, those were small mountains. But there will come a day when we are with God forever, when Jesus returns, when we will look down on our most exalted, glorious moments, when life was, we thought, fantastic, and we will go, wow, that was good, but this is so much better. Oh, may I not forget the benefits of God. He has walked me all this way, and He has brought me to this place where life is wonderful. 
forever. But until that day, life's mountains and valleys will continue to define us and shape us and mold us. And the valleys of our lives, as we saw last week, will either break us, and they can break us. Jesus told the story of the sower, where the seed fell, and some of it fell on rocky ground, and life got tough, and those people didn't have deep roots, and the plants withered and died. That was a valley. The valleys can also make us if we root ourselves deeply in Jesus. We saw the very first week that that when we're on the mountains is the best time to dig deeply into Jesus. It's often the time when we forget to because life is easy. But you know, the valleys are where we learn to lean into Jesus. This is what David is doing as he writes a psalm. He's looking back going, Wow, let me never forget how good Jesus is. I have lent into him, I have leaned on him, and I have found that he is the anchor for my life. You see, God has proved himself compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. His character is seen in what he does, and and, and what he does is because of who he is. David looks back in the psalm here to the Exodus. He looks back to Moses and And that's wonderful for David, but we can look back to the cross where God's character is even more clearly shown, where where what God does more clearly shows who he is. Compassionate and gracious. So compassionate and gracious that he would bear our punishment and mocking. So not desiring any of us to perish that he he would send his own son. We we see God not cherishing his anger and his wrath, but but instead loving us. You know, as God looks at Israel, so too now he looks at us, the new Israel, and he has compassion for us. And yes, it's true that as God looks at us, there's a lot in us that that, that should make him angry. Sin in all of its guises. God is both Savior and Judge. Both rescuer and accuser. But you know what David found as he looked back over his life and as he looks forward to an eternity with God? He finds that God will not always accuse. Isn't that fantastic? That God will instead, we know now, and David knew with an inkling, God would instead bear that accusation on himself. Because the nature of God is to be our Redeemer. Because God's nature is love. The way God judges is not how we expect, verses 9 to 14. David knew, we saw that last week, that he deserved only judgment from God. And yet he asked for God's mercy and grace. David knew that sin isn't something that God can just sweep under the carpet. Perhaps we read verse 9, David saying he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. Perhaps David sits there and thinks, you know what, God could constantly accuse me because I've done so many things in my life. You know, 
I love David. He was a friend of God, but man, that guy knew how to sin. So unlike us. But David also knew that although he faced God's discipline, he also didn't get what he deserved. Verse 10, he doesn't punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. David didn't die for his sin, which he should have. A lot of bad stuff that happens to us might not be because of our personal sin. But at the end of the day, I'm not perfect the way God is perfect. I'm a sinner and I don't deserve God's help. And yet he helps. And yet he forgives. Why? Verse 11 says, because of his unfailing love towards those who fear him. Because that love is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. The reason God is so good to those who trust him is because of God's steadfast love. He is like the most caring father ever. Who has been infinitely wronged. And then at great personal cost, tempers his anger. And smiles on us. Because he loves us, he travels the valleys of life with us. And because he loves us, he has provided a rescue. David speaks here about how fleeting we are. Our days on earth, verse 15, are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. We are fleeting. And the deepest valley that we have to go through because of sin When the first people sinned and were cast out from the garden and not allowed access to the tree of life, the direct consequence of sin is death. The deepest valley makes us fleeting, but God's love is forever. Verse 17, the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. The love of the Lord remains forever, forever with those who fear him. If we are held in God's love, which David glimpsed and we see most clearly in the cross, what is fleeting, you and me, is made permanent because it is held in God's love. The psalm started with David saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. But by the time he's, he's remembered all the things that God has done for him and, and how good God has been, he comes to the end and he's like, Wow, you know what? My voice is too small to sing God's praises. A creation, all of the universe, angels, whatever, sing to God. 
Every voice raised in harmony. Every voice, every human voice, everyone who knows God, praise Him for what He has done. You know, it's amazing that, that, that as we sing, there's this beautiful harmony that, that, is, that is created, and yet God hears every single voice for its own. Isn't that incredible? And, and you know what? If you are saying, like this, God looks at that and goes, wow, that's beautiful. Um, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to read uh, Tolkien's Silmarillion, which is the uh, prehistory of the Lord of the Rings. And in there, there's got a beautiful thing, the, the creation of the world and the maker, the, the, the God figure in the story is singing the world into being and, and the evil character is trying to sing discords and, and he tries and he tries and whatever he does, the maker just twists it and it sounds even more beautiful. Says David, Sing to God and he will make it beautiful. And yet he comes right at the end of the psalm, back to where he started. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, which is everywhere, let all that I am praise the Lord. Today, let's finish here, is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day we remember when God poured out his spirit on the church Um, through the ages onto us. My brothers and sisters, over the last three weeks, we have seen that life has its ups and downs. And I'm sure this has not been news to you. But this is not the way life is meant to be. This is because we live in a world that has been shattered long ago and that continues to be hit by over six billion hammers today. But the Psalms teach us and the cross shows us that God doesn't abandon us to this. Jesus by his spirit goes with us through every season of our lives, whether we know it or not. And today on Pentecost Sunday is when Jesus gave us the spirit as the seal and promise that those who trust in Jesus will be with him forever, that the benefits of God are not temporary and passing, but that one day we will enter when Jesus returns onto the highest plateau from which there is no higher height and from which you can go no lower. Life with God without any valleys. just around the corner just around the corner when Jesus returns I don't know where you find yourselves this morning I don't know if you are on a mountain on a valley or whether you're like David looking back may you know that he is with you may you trust that he is taking you to a place where things will be perfect. He's going to remake this world. If you find your heart cold, do what David did and count your blessings. Remember that there is great benefit to knowing God. Jesus said, count the cost. Is it worth following him? If I can dare add to that, that's dangerous, isn't it? Count the cost, yes, but that includes counting 
the benefits. Pam. Margaret. That's okay. That's okay. Let's, let's pray for him. That's Paul, is it? Phil. Phil. Okay, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for Phil. We thank you that he has such a wonderful father who loves you and a mother-in-law who loves you too. Lord, we pray for Phil that, that he would also know your love. Lord, I don't know where he stands with you, but I, I thank you that, that you are the one who cares for him. Lord, I pray that he would know your peace. Lord, we would love to see him healed from this, Lord, to have his foot slowly being taken away from him. We just, we just pray against that. Lord, we pray that he would be very aware of your love. Lord, and through this dark valley of his life, we pray that, that he would see the light of your presence. We pray for Jim and Margaret as well as they... As they care for him and are concerned for him and share this value with him that you would encourage them and let them know that that you love him and that you love them and that you have good in store amen amen thank you Nick. well let's uh, stand and sing we've got another oldie
wonderful to think that we're with the angels praising the Lord, isn't it?